Hello everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. I hope you're doing well, having a great week. We had a new Masters champion, Scotty Scheffler, closed out great the weekend and uh, yeah, what a, what a performance and um, this guy is on a roll at the moment. Lots more to come from him, I'm sure, but great to see him get it done and a cool customer appeared to be under the pressure. You never know what's going on under the surface, but he certainly looked that way. Now, this week's podcast is... A, an actual recording of a webinar that we do. Every month at meandmygolf.com, we do a, a live webinar where we get a special guest on uh, to interview them and let our members ask questions live in the group. And this one was with a good friend of ours and PGA co- coach, Chris Ryan. And recently we did a 30-day golf swing transformation for our members where we gave them a lesson every week from a, from a video standpoint and they're in the Facebook group, private members group, and we're interacting on their on their swings to get them ready for the season. And what we wanted to do, we wanted to get Chris on to really talk about, well, the season's here. How do we use what we've done from a golf swing point of view and then get ready for the season to play and perform as opposed to, you know, just thinking about the golf swing. So in this webinar, you're going to hear Chris talk about how to build pressure in practice or play to get, to get you ready to test it out in competitive play, your new swing. How to use practice time to recognize and make a note of the shot patterns and shot dispersions that you have really helps making better decisions on the golf course. The importance of knowing your yardages and then really how to use practice time to transition your new game to the course and get yourself on the golf course firing on all cylinders for the season to start. So exciting after the Masters because the season kicks off and uh, it's just a great time of the year. So this is a great podcast. If you're tuning in, then make sure you screenshot this and tag us in on social and Chris. And uh, yeah, we look forward to sharing this one with you. The reason we, we've got Chris on today, Chris is a good friend of ours, PGA golf coach. We actually, me and Pierce grew up playing golf with Chris at Oxley Park Golf Club. So um, we've known Chris a long time. Pierce was actually Chris's best man at his wedding. Um, Chris is expert foot golfer as well. He played well in foot golf, didn't he? Um, Busy golf. I remember that. Busy foot golf. Um, but today what we thought we'd do is uh, get Chris on to, to help you guys really transition. Look, we, the season is very much upon us now. So we thought, well, let's get Chris on to help you guys transition from some of the winter stuff and the range work and the, the great work that you're doing on the, the golf swing transformation and really figure out the best way to, to go from that sort of section of technical work to really get into the playing mode and start to understand, well, how can we transition to, to the season where we can really focus on the game as opposed to just to the swing, really. So what we'd love to do is we're going to chat to Chris for the first 20 minutes to half an hour um, to talk about some of the things that he recommends that you do. And then we're going to do a Q&A for the, for the following half an hour. So uh, get your questions in as and when you want, and we'll get through to as many as we can. So just use the Q&A at the bottom. Should we just go with one? I think Q and A for the questions, yes. Yeah, so you use the Q and A at the bottom, guys, for the questions, and then we'll we'll be able to work our way through that um, as we get to those as well. So, Chris, welcome to the webinar. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having me. Everything all right with you? Really good. And it's interesting you say the season is upon us because I was out on the course today, and that was the first time that it's felt really quite nice. It was a bit warmer, and the course looked great, and it felt like well, really like this season was just around the corner yeah it's uh, it's amazing just a, a little bit of difference now it's like i'm looking at it, it's light and we've got the warmth um so let's i, I think this is it's it's perfect opportunity we just we've talked to you briefly about what a lot of the guys in our 
that a lot of the members are doing in terms of the, the golf swing transformation. They're working very hard at technique on their golf swing, four key lessons, and sort of we're giving them feedback on that. Let's go through some of the things then that they can do or start to think about now that's going to help them move from working on the golf swing and really thinking inwardly to really what, how can I start to get myself ready for the course and just get prepared? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what you guys are doing with that program is fantastic, you know, to give them, you know, specific instruction on their golf swing is great. But um, I think this is going to be a really interesting discussion because I think so many people will make some swing changes or do some swing work and then try to take that to the golf course without realizing that actually there's a there's a whole kind of phase that they're potentially missing which is that as you say that that transitional phase of okay i feel like i've made those golf swing changes i'm hitting the ball straighter further more solid but i have to now look at how i transition those skills to the golf course so um obviously we we spoke um a few weeks ago and i've just kind of put together a list of four things which i think people can start to look at and implement into their practice in order to do that Okay, perfect. Well, let's should we go through the first one, the sort of first topic, and then we'll um, we'll jump in if we've got any questions, and uh, and we'll go from there. Okay. So the first thing I've got is basically, um, well, in a nutshell, it's to build some pressure during practice. Um, what I would encourage people to do is, uh, and it kind of sounds a bit funny when you when you say it, but I I would like them in practice to try and break their goal swing basically because that's what the course does, you know, that's what the course does to your golf game. You know, when you've got, um, let's say a card in your back pocket and you're on for your best score, or you're playing against a friend that you've never beat and you're up in them, or you're going to beat your handicap or whatever it may be, or maybe there's just a hole that doesn't suit your eye or historically you've played poorly on that hole. Potentially you've got an awkward lie, all these things challenge us and it makes it harder to perform the, the task of making the goal sink. So what I would sort of advocate people do is, is start to create an environment or a situation in practice where there's some pressure, um, which really potentially will start to see the golf swing regress. It will start to see it break. But we want to build that kind of robustness, if you like, um, because if you're going to play with any luck, lots of golf through the season, you know, competitions events that kind of stuff there's going to be loads of situations that that will challenge you as, as a golfer especially after you've made some golf swing changes so we have to almost create a new swing which is what you guys are doing fantastically well and then create a more robust swing so in essence it's building pressure through how we practice okay so what would you suggest in terms of how do we build that pressure so what are sort of some of the things that the guys can do so okay i'm going to the range um, we know that it doesn't necessarily, you know, you've got a ball after ball, it's easy. What are the sort of things that we can do and the guys can do that can, that can just add in that element of, well, this really means something because it, because it is simulate simulation. It's not quite the same, but what, what are some of the things that they can do? Well, I think you know, there, there are actually quite a few things that you can do, which is great. And I think it will be different for everybody, but uh, you know, as golfers, uh, I'd say golfers generally, as I guess, I guess humans, we, we tend to want to avoid the situations that we're not all that comfortable in. You know, I mean, how many times have we seen somebody at the driving range hitting some balls and they get to the last two balls, the last but one ball they hit really well, and they'll go, oh, I'm not going to hit that last one because I want to finish on a good one. Mm -hmm. they're, they're stepping away from a situation that 
you know, particularly like. And so it's really just embracing those situations. And I'd almost, you know, try and get people to think about what would make them uncomfortable. So for potentially there might be some people on here who might say, I'm going through some swing changes, feels a little bit strange. I'm going to go and play golf. I'm going to go play nine holes, but I'm going to go and play on my own because I'm making a new swing change. Well, play with a friend. You know, just some, something as simple as that might make you feel a little bit more uncomfortable. But again, it's sort of prepping towards that season. It might be just agreeing to play with some people that you don't know. Um, because again, that's a situation that's not, not normal. So I think trying to almost recognise what situations could potentially be uncomfortable for you and actually accepting those and trying to step up and say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try and, you know, attack that situation head on. So I think those are really important. And then, you know, in practice, um, I guess really there's, there's no rules. It's a case of trying to think, what can I do? So, you know, we, you might have done some sort of block practice, which might mean you're taking a, an iron or a driver and you're doing some swing work and you're very like you said, and you're very internally focused on what you're doing. And obviously, you know, looking at the ball flight, but then changing that a little bit to, okay, on the drive range or practice there where I am, I'm going to visualize a fairway. Um, I'm going to hit 10 drives. I'm going to visualize an out of bounds down the left-hand side. I'm going to give myself minus five points if the ball goes out of bounds. I'm going to give myself 10 points if it goes in the fairway. There's almost no rules here, but it's trying to create a situation where there's a little bit of pressure and that, and that shot means something. And you alluded to it there, Randy, we know it doesn't, we know it's practice, but it doesn't mean we can't start taking those steps. Um, and all we're really looking at doing is saying, well, if, if practice is here and tournament golf is here, we're just trying to practice in that gap. We can't, we can't match what it feels like to be on the last hole with a putt to break out of the gap, but we can bridge that gap a little bit. So we, when we do get on the course, it's not so much of a bigger, so sorry, so not so much of a shock to the system. Yeah, yeah I think they're so different, aren't they? They're just so different, aren't they? And look, even to the point where I know when we were just last in uh, the Grand in uh, San Diego and Andy was hitting some balls and I was actually injured at the time and we had literally had a, a challenge on hitting some shots in between the targets. We did it on stories. And if he didn't do the, the challenge, then he had to clean my clubs. And, and if he did do the challenge, I had to clean his clubs. So we were, luckily we were videoing him cleaning my golf clubs, which was nice. <laughs> that's good but but that that's that it doesn't have to be for lots of money it can be something as simple as i've got to clean your golf clubs or i've got to tee your ball up for you next time you play all the time you know just just things that are like oh i can't believe i've got to do that exactly that just, putting, just putting you outside your comfort zone isn't it um and it, it's amazing how you know the situation can change you know what you do so i'm sure you've been in the same situation as as me you know you're given a lesson and the guy or girl is on the mat hitting shots, you know, and you're picking a target and you say, hit to that target and I'll hit and I'll hit and I'll hit. And you'll say something like, okay, you've got five shots. See how many you can hit on the green. And what do they do? Well, they suddenly stand back off the mat and they line it up and they go, and it's, a, you know, you haven't told them to do that, but because you've created a situation where it means something, suddenly they're practicing in a different way. And that's really what we, we're trying to do. We're trying to create a situation which, you know, mirrors the course a little bit more and it will change your habits and it will change how you, you know, focus on that next shot. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think it's, um, we and Pierce did a, we did a podcast yesterday, I think it was yesterday morning. And we were talking about if we competed again, what would we do differently? Um, and one of the things that we, we would do, we said, well, one of the things I said, I'd do, I'd do more on course stuff. I would. A lot more on course stuff because 
what you do on the driving range in a really relaxed state is so easy. It's not pressure in you at all, but I would want to be in that situation where I'm pressuring my mind all the time and I'm pressuring my swing all the time because that's what it's like. And I think you can fall in the trap of, and maybe probably happen more so now, um, now we, we coach that you'd be on the range hitting shots and then you go and play and it's just it's such a different feeling and then you could hit it great on the range and then you go onto the golf course and you go, well, the only difference here is the, the uncomfortable feeling and the pressure that you have got no condition to. And if you can condition that a lot more, it makes a, a massive difference. But all you're really doing is just training the feeling of being comfortable in that scenario. So I think it's, it's huge. Have a, have a think of this as well. So all three of us played at Oxley Park Golf Club. Kevin Hale played there. He turned pro. We all turned pro, obviously. Craig Thomas turned pro. Dan Bateman, Matt Roberts. So there were a load of golf pros in a small space of time. And we had zero practice facilities. We had a putting green. We gave lessons. I used to give lessons up the side of the 18th and the 9th. You had to wait for golf because you couldn't go and practice there. It wasn't efficient. The chipping green was non-existent. What did we do? We played golf. We went out there, we played golf, and we just got used to competing on the golf course and just playing. And even I was saying in the podcast that I I would have, if I had a full day in the shop, I'd, still, I'd go and practice, but I'd just go on the golf course and play three or four holes by myself. Can't beat it. Agreed. I would, I would agree with that, Andy. Perfect. So, so first point then for, for the for the viewers and the listeners to this is just add some level of consequence, add, add some level of pressure where you're going to test your feeling of being uncomfortable. If you can work that into your practice, start doing that now, it's going to make a, a massive difference. Don't just be in the trap of just working at your technique, section off a little bit of that time to, to really force that upon yourself. Okay, point number two, what's the next one? Um, so this, I think, is is something that all level of golfers could do better. It's probably something that we're seeing the elite golfers do a lot more, but it can definitely filter through. And I've just put here, pay attention to shot patterns um, and shot dispersions. So what, I'm, what I mean by that would be, you know, people have gone through a, a swing transformation and it would be, I guess... Uh, great if everybody now hit it dead straight but the chances are it's not going to happen I don't hit it dead straight neither of you do sorry for that <laughs> um, <clears throat> so what I would really look to do now is say okay well I'm going to hit let's say 20 drives <clears throat> I'm going to try and use my stock swing I'm going to pick a target in the distance I'm going to hit those 20 shots and I would encourage everybody to carry something like a notepad maybe you can do it on your phone but just I'm actually going to show you here you haven't been practicing. No. Oh, you've got a line. Can't see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All you do, if I just do this very quickly, let's say I've hit a few drives and I've just plotted where they landed relative to that, that straight line. Now, once I've done that a few times, uh, maybe a couple of practice sessions, we might get something that looks a little bit like that. Now, that shot pattern is not central. It's slightly to the right. I'm not sure if it flips it in the... No, it's right. That's yeah, good. It's right. slightly to the right. So that's, that's my shot pattern with the driver. Now, it might change in two months if I'm continuing to work on my swing, but right now, that's my shot pattern. So when I head onto the golf course and I walk onto a par four, I'm going to hit driver, I need to have that shot pattern in mind. I need to know that, okay, well, if I aim at that point, I'm probably going to be somewhere between 15 yards left and 25 yards right. Of it, and I have to visualise 
you know that that shot pattern there's a there's a kind of saying that i i tend to use around the golf course um and it's when you're choosing where to aim and you're choosing your shot i'd always say plan for 100 and focus on one so when I choose a target, I'm planning for 100 shots. If I was to hit 100 drives, where do I need to aim to make sure that most of those are in play? Once I've done that, I then focus specifically on the one I want to hit, but I've planned for 100. So I've kind of given it every eventuality. Now, it may well be that your shot pattern is a little different with your irons to your woods. It may well be that your wedges are slightly different. And if, depending on the, the level of golf that we've got here, if I was to do that with a driver, and try and hit let's say 20 drives the next day or the next week i go to the range i might hit 20 drives but try to fade them and then i might hit 20 drives and try and draw them and it may well be that i get slightly different dispersions with each of those shots now i'm just making this up now but if my fade shot tended to miss a little bit more right that might be the shot that i choose on a hole where there's trouble at the left and more room on the right so it's really just saying okay well i've made some golfing changes but what is my ball actually doing with my new golfing and I need to then take that information onto the course to help me choose better targets. How simple is that? How simple is that? I love that. And I think this is something that the guys can just take note of now while they're doing this practice to go, well, look, if I'm practicing here, um, let's be aware of how many is missing right, how many is missing left, because some people aren't necessarily, especially when we're so focused on technique, we can hit a shot and we can see it and then we're like, okay, let's get to the next one. Maybe that's something for you guys to go, well, let me now start integrating that into my practice so I can be aware of the dispersions. And you might realize that I've hit nothing left of target. Like yeah. so You might have a session where nothing's gone left of target. Everything's gone right. So you need to bear that in mind then when you go into the golf course. And I suppose another thing with this is, is this can change very quickly. You could Absolutely. get up on a Saturday morning. It can be different to the Friday, the Friday morning that you play as well. So bear in mind when you get to warm up on the range, pay attention to what's going on because that day could be very different. And I suppose you just build that into that plan then. So, I mean, a question to you, Chris, I suppose, and Pierce, really, how many times on a golf course in a round do you hit the spot that you want to hit? Majority, I suppose. I'm thinking about loud. <laughs> um, you don't. You just don't. You just, you just don't. Happen. Very rare. I would say what's quite interesting is I think if you ask the golfer, the better the golfer, the less good shots they hit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because if you yeah, took, man. let's say, a mid-tie handicapper, if they stand on the tee, they're going to be going, I want to hit the fairway. So if they hit the fairway, it's a good shot. Whereas the elite golfers are so specific in what they want the ball to do, if it doesn't quite do that, they go, oh, it wasn't great. The reality is the result was fine. And I think the more, the more that you get down this route, you actually start to hit less perfect shots, but your scores come down. Yeah. Do you do you think now we, we me and Pierce have chatted about this? Do you think if you played now, Chris, you your strategy would be a lot different to when you were competing? When we were competing and let's say in the Midlands tour, do you think that you have a, a, a much um more strategic brain and you'd play differently to how you'd play back then? 100 percent 100 percent I I think now course management is going more down a uh, what's the right word here? There's less decisions on the golf course, I think, now. So, for example, if I was playing professionally as a living, if you put me in the fairway 150 yards out and a flag on the green, I wouldn't have to make a decision as to where I aimed. 
I would know 100% what my dispersion is, and I would know 100% I need to aim three yards right to that flag. Hit it. It's not a, well, what do I feel like today? Do I go? It's just factually, I know that with this club, my shot dispersion is 15 yards wide. It needs to go there. Done. It's, it's not even a, a question. And, you know, this is sort of getting a little bit towards that. It's about, okay, my shot pattern is this. Therefore, I need to aim there. Done. It's a, it's a very simple version of it as well. It's not, I mean, yeah. it's not even close to how Bryson would do it, but you're right. People like Bryson have got that exactly to a T. Exactly. So. Yeah. And even yeah. then, it doesn't guarantee anything, <laughs> as we know. <laughs> and isn't it, isn't it strange that you see a lot of the best, the better players, they're actually safer. They're actually play safer than, let's say, um, a mid 20 handicap, an 18 handicap. A lot of golfers, amateur golfers, are just going, well, I want to hit at the flag. Let's hit at the flag. And you look at, a, let's say, a tour pro, they'll be going, well, OK, I want to be six yards left of that flag because if I miss it, then I want to miss it and I want to have the room where this is really what we're trying to do is to get to get you guys to think more like a tour pro. But tour pros are often thinking safer because they're bearing in mind their tendencies, their miss, and they're giving themselves a margin for error. That margin for error is going to be a lot smaller, but they're giving themselves that margin for error to allow for a bad shot. And I always think about this when you watch the golf and you see one of the players hit it like two, three feet, and they go, oh, that was a brave shot. He's gone straight at it. And I'm, I'm going, he, he could have missed it. He might have been aiming 10 yards left, but it's, it's gone stiff next to the flag. But he could have missed his spot. It doesn't show you that where they're aiming, the decisions. But So that's what we get. That's what they get confused on. Sometimes these shots are missed and end up close. I would 100% say for the last year, at least, the approach shots to the green that I've hit, the best shots that I've hit don't finish the closest. The slightly poorer shots that I hit finish the closest. Yeah. So, for example, I might be picking a target which is 15 yards right of the flag into the heart of the green. I pull it a little bit, goes to three feet, and it's it's a good result, but it's not the best shot. If I absolutely flush it, it's 15, it's out to the right. But that's I'm playing the, the numbers game. Yeah. But I can't do that unless I know you know, within reason what my shot pattern is. It doesn't have, like you say, it doesn't have to be, you know, within two or three yards of straight. It just has to be roughly, okay, I know if I aim there, the likelihood is they're going to go around about there. That's all we're after. Yeah, so plan, I think the key message there is plan for 100. I, I really like that, you know, that shot dispersion, but just pay attention, I think, for the guys listening to this. Pay attention, and, and when you're on the range, just see what's going on, and if you want to record a, a little note of what's going, what's going on, I think that's good, even if it's 10, 20 balls. I think that's, uh, yeah, a great exercise to do. Good one. What's number three, Mr. Ryan? Um, fairly short one. I'll put yardages and then in capital <laughs> letters, know them. We're talking about <laughs> your, we're talking about your drives, are we? <laughs> I, I mean, that's as simple as it is, isn't it? And, then, and I think that's probably especially relative if people have been making some swing changes. You know, with any luck, those yardages are a little different because they're, they're making some swing changes. So it's important that we know them. Yeah, and that's to that to that's total run out with your irons as well, Chris. <laughs> total run out <laughs> on the M40 with the tailwind, <laughs> the best one you ever hit. <laughs> yeah. But I, th I think you know when we put when I put know your yardages, you know, again, I'm thinking about transitioning this to the course. So one of the things that I would would always do is, you know, if I was during practice, I'd take a seven iron on the driving range, choke down. To the metal 
put the ball back in my stance and hit what I would see as like a pitch out of the trees. And I'd sort of swing my lead arm to, you know, say level the ground and I'd see how far it landed and rolled. You know, that's no new yardages because how many times do we go on the course, miss a fairway and someone might say, I'm going to pitch back out and they overshoot the fairway or they undershoot the fairway. So knowing new yardage isn't just your full swings, how's it, how far is it going? It's, well, if I've got a pitch out 30 yards, what does that feel like? You know, how do I hit a 30 yard pitch? And then what's my half pitching wedge distance and what's my half lob wedge distance? It's all those kind of in-between shots as well, which are so important when you're actually on the course playing golf. Let me just ask you this because that's one of the questions in the Q&A, so we may as well hit it on, hit on it now. So Russ Garbutt saying, um, would it be best to get your yardages once the weather changes or before? Um, obviously, as carry distances change, et cetera, due to weather conditions. Um, I mean, I think if you're using good technology um, with good golf balls, I don't think it matters really. I mean, yeah, I mean, today, for example, it was probably 17, well, you reckon it's 20 degrees, Andy. So, you know, that to the middle of summer, it's not going to make a huge difference really. Um, but I think, you know, in an ideal world, you'd probably do them now and then you might check them again mid-season and see whether anything's changed. But if it was going to change, it's only going to be one, two yards. It's you know, it's now. not really a once a year job, is it? It is, there's, as you say, there's, the weather can have an effect, but swing changes are probably more likely to have an effect. Yeah. And I think as well as know your yardages, I would have, I would put in there how to hit yardages. You know, so if, I, if I've got a, a club at 150 and a club at 160, how do I hit it 155? I've got to figure that out. I've got to kind of jump on my 9-9 or do I take a bit off an 8-9 or do I take a lot of a 7-9 or do I flight it lower or do I flight it higher? There's, there's so many different ways that we can alter the distance. So you've almost got, I guess you've almost got two stages. This It's kind of, okay, what are my stock yardages? And then how do I fill the gap in there a little bit? Yeah, I've I've just done a whiteboard Wednesday on that. Sorry, sorry, just saying, I've just done a whiteboard Wednesday on exactly that, which is you've got a one thing that's 157 yards, it's right in between yardages. How are you going to get it there? And and listing all the ways that you can either add distance or take off distance. Yeah, and I think it's a key thing that a lot of people don't even think about when it's know your yardages. It's like, how far does my eight iron go on a swing? But those in, again, it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? When you get on the golf course, how often do you have the perfect number? That your that your seven or your eight or your nine goes. They're all there's always going to be variances. Um, so when you do go to the range again, that's going to shape your practice. Find some of those different shots. Hit one one fifty two. Try and take three yards off it. Try and add a little bit more and just experiment really. Mm. I think one of the things you know talking about um, what would we do differently if we were playing professionally. I would say the two things I would do different. Number one, I would play more golf than the course like you said. But I, the second thing I would do is I would use a lot more of my practice time to gather info. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to practice to change my swing. I'm just going to, okay, I need to figure out, like Piers was saying, how do I hit that in-between shot? Okay, what happens if I put the ball back in my stance? Okay, well, it tends to miss a bit more right and I lose five yards. Great. What happens if I put it up in my stance? Okay, it goes a bit more left. So it's all this information that, you know, that, that kind of goes into the shot that I choose on the course. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose you're arming yourself with just more knowledge about your game and what really you can translate then to back on the golf course instead of just going, I'm changing my re- my lead wrist position at the top of the swing and and then not really coming away with anything, let's say, that you've learned. So yeah, you can, technique's obviously very important, but yeah, I like the idea of that, just uh, just having a bit more awareness on what you can actually t- you know take from that. Yeah. 
Perfect, perfect. Should we go into number four? Because Andy, we're at six thirty already. Time flies, doesn't it? We've got like, quite a few questions in there as well, so I want to make sure we okay. get those now. Yeah, uh... Okay, so I've got number four. Um, is just try to try to transition to the course environment. So um, I'll give you a little scenario. Um, you know, let's say I stand on the range, hit a few wedges, warm up, pull a seven iron, hit a couple of shots. Maybe one's a bit right. One's a bit left, one's a bit thin, one's a bit heavy. Four or five shots in, start to find that feeling, that swing, and start to hit a few at my target. Might hit another 25. I come away from that practice session thinking, I've hit it really well. But I can't do that on the course. I can't have six shots from the middle of the fairway. I have to walk 10 minutes, five minutes with my bag on my back, pull my seven, hit a shot. I then have to walk, hit a putt, maybe a chip. Then I've got to hit a dry wick. That's how we play golf. So the, the kind of key things that I would say in terms of tra transitioning it, try and space out the shots. Um, so it may well be, I quite like the idea of a little circuit almost. So you might hit a seven iron to a target. You then might hit a little pitch to a different target. You could even take a little putting cup there and then and hit a six foot putt and try and hold it. You know, then back to a drive, then back to a seven iron. So you're really trying to say, okay, I've got to pull the seven iron on my bag and I've got to hit that shot. If I can't do it, it's back in the bag and I'm moving on. I think the way that we practice in this kind of, you know, scrape and hit, scrape and hit, scrape and hit, we can often leave the range and go, I've hit it really well. But the reality is the first five shots that you did hit weren't great. And that's, that's the shots you did on the course. So I think just thinking about how you space out your practice would be important. And then, you know, I would say even things like take a towel, fold it up, make it however big, and just pop it under one of your feet, hit a shot, you know, put something under both feet, hit a shot, you know, the golf course is full of slopes and undulations and, you know, ball sits in divots and it sits up in the rough, you know, that's how we actually play golf. So really trying to think about making your practice reflect the environment that the course is, you know, sloping lies, spacing your shots out, those kind of things I think are really important. Yeah, I always remember um, Dr. Rob Neal ages ago, Pierce, talking about um, having some circuit breakers in that we don't, he, call, he used to call them circuit breakers, where instead of just having ball after ball, you might go, okay, now I'm going to just switch and, and maybe do a drill and then just do something else and, and just stop us from falling in the pattern of just not thinking and not not sort of conditioning the right the right process, really. I, that stuck with me that bit. I was... Um, I used to have uh, some lessons off a guy. What's his name? I can't remember his name now. Is it the Chase when it opened at Andrew? Someone is it the Chase at Preston? Yes, it was. And I never forget when I was going there. I remember I can't remember what we were doing something, but he, he put a head cover somewhere, and I was trying to miss this head cover. And I vividly remember every time I'd missed it three or four times, he'd stop me. And he'd say, he'd say things like, oh, have you been to school today? And go, yeah, yeah, I've been to school. And he'd go, oh, great, what did you do? I oh, did maths and, oh, great, okay. Go on, hit another one then, bang, head cover. And he was doing exactly that. He was breaking that circuit to say, okay, now you've got to do it again. And it was amazing how much more difficult I found it, having, I basically, I didn't have the previous swing five seconds ago to, to remember in my head. I had to kind of do it from scratch. And it was amazing how every single time he stopped me, poor shot next time. Yeah, you lose that feeling and you just lose that awareness of what you've been doing. So, yeah, that's a, gr that's a good, yeah, definitely a good point to, for them to do. Yeah, I love that. And it, it just an interesting on the towel there, Peter Langer actually asked that, how can you practice those uneven lies? 
at the range. So hopefully, Peter, you got that one okay. I've typed that out to you as well. So uh, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, look, thanks, Chris. Um, some brilliant yeah. things there. I think there's some just some nice things that I think will make a massive difference to get the guys transitioning. Um, and just figure out like what's going to work for them. Go and test it out and just go, well, look, try these things out, see what they're like for you, see what works. And hopefully you get in the golf course and feel in a better place this season and uh, get ready to, to not think so much about the motion and more about actually, you know, improving those scores and playing the game, which is, which is a key part. Yeah. Love it. Thanks, guys. It was good chat. Uh, where's the best place? If they don't follow you, Chris, where should they go? Where are you most active in terms of, um, is it on socials or website? Where's the best? Yeah, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, um, everything's the same. It's Chris Ryan Golf. Our website is chrisryangolf.com. Perfect. Make sure you check uh, check him out. I'm sure you a lot of you follow him already. But uh, look, thank you so much, guys, for for jumping in tonight and giving you your attention for an hour. It's been great to get you in, and uh, yeah, we look forward to organising the next one. Also, thanks for all the, the comments. I'm just scanning through the comments in the chat there, and there's some really nice things in there. So it's uh, it's always great to know that we're helping out. So and Chris has done a fantastic job tonight as well. So, well, Mr. Ryan, we'll see you on Thursday. Get ready, nice and early. Yes. Actually, we're going to be there from nine o'clock, I think. So we're going to be there super early. Oh, okay, I won't be there that early. <laughs> I know. I know. Cool. All right, fantastic. Thanks, Cheers, everybody. Guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks see so you all soon. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, Thank guys. you, everybody. Bye bye. See you later. Bye bye. It's still there. Yes. I'll text you in a bit. Are you? Oh, uh, are you staying over Thursday? Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I think we. I think we have to. But we're teeing off at one o'clock. So. Yeah. yeah. Good point, actually. Yeah. Cool. All right, mate. Yeah. I'll text you in a bit. All right, mate. See you, mate. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.